The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, and Bogus Lotus. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Side Mission Part 11 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on every major podcast service. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We are here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games one by one, sometimes 12 by 12, sometimes none at all. So far, we have covered 475 games. Visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we have been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. He's a great guy. Last week, we talked about Superstar Baseball, the final sports game on the GameCube and a surprisingly great baseball game. This week, we have a very special guest in the studio. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce him. But before I do that, I have a little note here that I'd like to read as his introduction. So, in 1993, a child was born. In darkness, then in light. He wandered the world aimlessly until one day a near-cube-shaped cube entered his life and awakened his very soul. This cube would have an immense lasting impact on the young man and would push him towards greatness. While the so-called electronic video games that were played on this item and others like it came and went, the Nintendo GameCube was a constant presence and will surely go down and is the single greatest accomplishment in human history. The human that I am talking today has grown into a man, and I am proud to say that he is perhaps the single most important person who talks and debates electronic games on the face of this planet or any other. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my revered pleasure to introduce you to my most esteemed guest, Mr. Dr. Neil Gilbert. Wow, Mike, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I've been waiting for this for a very long time. That was quite the intro there. Sounded a little different than uh, what I normally uh, hear on your show, but nonetheless, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. I have one question for you, though, before we get started. Where are the cameras? Uh, hmm. Well, you know, they're usually here, but don't don't worry about that, Neil. We'll just go keep on rolling here, and uh, we're going to do a little, little couple questions. This is the Marcel Proust questionnaire here that I have, <laughs> and um, just a couple of questions to kind of get you in the mood here. First question, Neil. What is your favorite word? Oh wow, that's a tough one. Now, can I can I go with a language, or can I go with a word from any language, or what are the rules here? Absolutely, any Great. sound from any alien race, too. You know, any anything you want. It's it's all it's all there. Okay, I'm gonna have to go with bibliothèque. Uh, the, the French word for library. I think that that is just the most fun word to say. Bibliothèque is a great word, like discothèque. Yeah. 
Yes, anything ending in tech, you got the bibli, biblio, like bibli, 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 bibli. You can say it over and over again. It's a lot of fun. I was actually in French immersion school for the first two years of my life. Mike, you know this. You carried on from French after I did. I was much too dumb to continue <laughs> onward. But I remember there were a few words that just stood out in the French language. And even though I am an English speaker, I do what I can. Uh, bibliotheque always stood out to me as one of the greatest words ever created by mankind. Alien race is a little difficult because... I really only know like one species of 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 alien uh, language, if you will, and that that's probably like Gungan from Star Wars, and I really don't know what they say other than Misa, and uh, that's not exactly fun to say. So you're gonna have to go with Bibliotech. Bibliotech is a great choice. We would have also accepted Pomplamoose, oh, which is a very okay. fun one, uh, and uh, Anana. Yeah, see, the French language in general, like a lot of those words are fun to say. I think that's why it's so much fun to learn it as a kid. Um, but in the English language, honestly, nothing's coming to mind right now. No, no. A bibliotech, <laughs> great pick, Neil. What's your least favorite word? Oh, geez. That's a tough one. Hmm. CrossFit. <laughs> I like that. Two words. I know, but there's a hyphen in there. I have to go with CrossFit. I think, I think that is a one word. I'm pretty sure that I, I think that is a legal submission. If I'm, we're playing Scrabble, we're looking good. So. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. See, I'm, I, I'm, I am a fitness enthusiast, Mike, you know this about mm-hmm. me. I mm-hmm. frequent the gym. I'm a runner and everything, but I got to say, anytime anybody says that they're into CrossFit, uh, I, I judge, I, ju- I know that it's not right to judge someone based on their, uh, based on their interests, but, uh, sometimes I do that. So I'm gonna have to go with CrossFit is my least favorite word. And as you'll notice, that is an English word because the English language sucks. The English language does suck, and uh, we'll, we can go into that further. What sound or noise do you love? Now, now we're not going to go with like music, right? Because I love music, but that doesn't that count. Doesn't you count. mean like an individual, an individual isolated sound? What is my favorite sound? Hmm. If I if I may, yeah, please. One of my favorite sounds on earth: the Windows XP startup sound. Oh, okay. So you mean like nostalgia trip sounds? I, I mean, okay. I'm just personally because that it's something that makes me happy, and it's a great sound. A lot of nostalgia, you know, nostalgia makes you happy for the most part. So that's one of the ones that uh, always comes to mind for me is just like the do do do. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago actually. I, I um I set up my dad's laptop, or I like I popped open an old laptop that was my dad's and I think it had Windows 97 still on it so I heard that <laughs> for the first wasn't expecting it when it hits you by surprise it hits way harder uh but my favorite sound god that's such a good there are so many they're just so many like I love the sound of like just wind going through leaves like I love the sound of nature I know that that sounds super cliche and everything but the ultimate favorite sound in the world I love the sound of just a standard G chord on the guitar. Mm. I know that I'm going back to music there, but like whenever we're jamming, you and I playing music together or playing with friends, that's always the first chord that I play just to check and see if the guitar is tuned. And when it is, that's just such a, it's just so satisfying, you know, to hear that sound. So I know you said no music, but that's one, one note in music. So I'm going to, I'm going to count that. And I would allow that, Neil. That's a great one. I love the sound of it. Just solid tuned G, you know. My favorite thing in the world is when you see like a picture or stock image of someone playing guitar, like. They're supposed to be like, you know, a professional student or whatever playing guitar in there. And it's always the D chord. It's like, yeah, you <laughs> yeah, know a lot. You know a lot of true, good, good. It's always the D chord because it's just the first one everybody learns. Yep. Just three strings and you can do a little D7 with that pretty easily too. You just take it off. And uh, that's how Freddie Mercury played crazy little thing called love. That's right. Yeah. That's that's the first song most people learn too. With just, just add that pinky in there and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. My next question here would relate to this, of course. What sound or noise do you least like? 
Oh boy, see the sound that I least like. I hate the sound of ambulances wailing. I think that that's gotta be up there. Like, and I live in the city, so the ambulances, they just hit differently because the sound has nowhere to go. So I hate the sound of a wailing siren. Uh, I would prefer it if uh, police, fire truck, ambulances, just cut the siren out. We can see you, you have lights. Uh, it's, it's, it's dramatic, it's a little too much. Uh, it's a little bit uh, just, mm. it's chaotic, mm. you know? I like, yep, yeah, it's, it's true. I'm gonna do a little audible here and keep going on this question. What siren do you prefer? Do you prefer the European siren or do you prefer the North American siren? And, and ladies and gentlemen, let me demonstrate. Uh, the European siren is, you know, kind of just the, the it's, it's two tones, I guess you could say. And uh, the American siren is, you know, just like a longer yeah, um, longer pull, I guess you could say. So yeah, I'm sure everyone liked to hear that. Uh, <laughs> but Neil, what would you say would be your 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 favorite of the two? Favorite is a strong word. I think I think my preferred version of suffering would have to be the European version because it is that snap. It's snappier, you know. They get Europeans like to just get things done, you know. Just get get it out of the way, get out of here. Uh, but the the drawn out one is just too much. And sometimes in in North America, it, it speeds up randomly too. It doesn't stay at, there's no consistent tempo to a siren is my problem. I agree. I, I need some more consistency with the sirens or just eliminate it altogether or, I don't know, give us a honk. Like, I don't need the wailing sounds completely. It's, so yeah, the wailing for sure is tough. What are you most scared of other than sirens? Most scared of other, well, yeah, sirens are one, a pretty damn big fear for me, uh, for sure. My, I guess, existential one, I'll, I'll say I'll say one like kind of one that I shouldn't be scared of and then one that like is a bit more physical. My, my absolute biggest fear is losing my memories. Mm. I, I do have, dementia does run in my family, unfortunately. So there's like a 50-50 chance it's dementia or cancer, kids. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm honestly really worried about losing my memories. It's one of the biggest things that I think about. Uh, it's one of the first things I ever experienced as a kid was my grandma suffering from dementia to the point where she didn't know who I was, who my dad was. So like I take a lot of pictures. I print a lot of pictures. I journal just because like I there's a piece of me that I think is scared that one day like I'm going to wake up and not remember anything so that's my ultimate number one fear honestly because I have so many good memories of you know family and friends and vacations and work experiences and life experiences that I, I absolutely fear losing all of that uh, but my my irrational or rational daily fear is uh, snakes I do my best to not be scared of them. I expose myself to them, not literally. I, I try to be around them at the <laughs> zoo or at uh, petting zoos or whatever there is where there are snakes around. I always try and get close to them. I'm always behind glass, so I feel like that it's not really doing anything. But uh, yeah, I'm absolutely, I, I don't want to touch one. I think that the way they move is just weird and creepy. I'm fascinated by them. I love reading about snakes. But as soon as I see one like on the path, even if it's a little garter snake, I freak out just a little bit. If I see a python or a, a rattlesnake in the wild, I'm, I'm gone. Like I'm not living in that area ever, for sure. <laughs> That's something I actually did know about you was the, the snake thing. That is a, a, Neil, uh, a Neil tidbit that I got always in the back of my brain. But uh, I did like your... Memory one. That's a real one. That's definitely an actual fear. And I got dementia in my family too, buddy. So 50-50, let's go into it together. Yeah, maybe maybe we can just both sit in the same room when we're senile and like not remember anything. We'll just keep podcasting the same episode every single day. Well, my grandfather, who was a judge and a lawyer, and for a lot of his time when he had dementia, he thought he was back at work as a, as a judge slash lawyer. And so, you know, he was always kind of getting dressed up for that. So I like to think that our... Our jobs, our <laughs> memories will just default back to podcasting and we'll just go through the, the same GameCube <laughs> games over and over again. That makes for some good content right there. I like that. <laughs> uh, who is your hero? 
Who's my hero? That, see, that, that's a weird question for me because that changes depending on how old you are and the day of the week, really. So, and I have so many hobbies. Everybody out there knows that. Like, I'm, I love video games. So, like, I have several. It's really hard to say, but uh, I'll, I'll go with a family member. Go with a cheesy one. I'll have to say my mom, honestly. Like, my mom is. I've looked up, looked up to her for a really long time, especially when I was a kid, starting to learn how to cook and take care of the house and. She was always around when uh, I had friends over. She always put out amazing snack bowls, and she always kept up in touch with all the video games that I wanted as a kid, and that's the kind of parent that I want to be someday, for sure. Like, someone who looks after the house, someone who looks after the kids, puts their kids first. So I'll go with my mom, for sure. But uh, an everyday, you know, natural hero, or like, I guess, a an everyday celebrity hero to go with. Probably Jerry Seinfeld, in terms of a hero. Like, I just, I love Jerry Seinfeld growing up. Uh, Seinfeld the show, of course. I would love to meet him in person, but I have a feeling like I wouldn't like him. So, I'm scared to meet him. But just a funny guy, you know, really worked hard at his craft when he was in his 20s and became one of the greatest comedians of all time. I love stand-up comedy. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with Jerry Seinfeld there. All right. So, well, with that, you got 0.5 points for the heartfelt uh, mom comment there. Uh, Thank but you. zero points for... Jerry Seinfeld. We were actually looking for Josie Scott. Oh, um, right. Uh, uh, who is, of course, in the song and music video "Hero" by Chad Kruger. Right. So that's true. They they do sing about that quite a bit about being a hero. Would you have accepted Chad Kruger in that answer too? Point five. Okay. Just like well, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Kruger always defaults to mom points. Got it. Okay, cool. But Josie Scott up there at number one. There goes my hero. There are a lot of hero uh, songs, for sure. Yeah, and uh, I Can Be Your Hero Baby. But uh, oh, uh, speaking of Enrique Iglesias, what's your favorite color? Blue. Blue is my favorite color, for sure. Uh, just, I think that just that's... Just like Enrique. Just like Enrique. <laughs> just like, you know, Weezer's Blue album. No, I've, I've always loved blue when I was a kid. Actually, my favorite color for the longest time was black. And until maybe the age of seven or eight, uh, teachers, parents, friends, everybody would tell me black's not a color. But it's, a sh- it's a shade. It's a shade, not a color. Exactly. And I always hated that answer because, like, for me, the colors – I learned colors based on the Power Rangers. And, you know, you had yeah. red, blue, yellow, pink, green, white, and black. So, like, white and black were a color. It was a color in Trivial Pursuit. It's a color in Risk. Why couldn't it be a color? So I always accepted black. I love the color. I love the Black Ranger. He was always my favorite as a kid. Mm-hmm. I love Darth Vader. Uh, he. I love the glossy black. Um, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I love like just dark black to the point where when light reflects off it, it makes it look like white and black. So that shiny Darth Vader black helmet is like the ideal. But uh, eventually I caved under the societal pressures where we have to pick an actual color and not a shade or a tint. And I went with blue. And to be specific, I like actually, Mike, your car, your Honda Civic blue is probably my favorite shade of blue. Ooh, that's uh, that's one of the best compliments I could ever get. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have a, I have a, I think the official legal color of my car is brown gray. So <laughs> not not a great color. <laughs> they did not sell me on it, but luckily I can scratch the heck out of it, and I don't feel bad. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I waited a long time to get my my blue my blue car. I uh, I definitely want to make sure I got it, and I did. And uh, I'm I also like that color. It's got a tint of turquoise in it which i like so. yeah the, the turquoise is key in blue just the slightest bit of blue uh green because it's like you know a little bit of the ocean in there you know any any kind of color of water is is right on chef's kiss you know so so for blue you would you would like to go a little more to the green side of the blue spectrum rather than the purple side for sure yeah yeah teal blue is ideal and even like you know like a lightsaber blue is good too if you're going to go a little bit lighter that's about as light as i would want to go mm. uh but yeah and the last question here is, what do you appreciate the most about your friends? Oh, man, that's really good. 
What Thank you to James Lipton from inside the Actors Studio, <laughs> who I'm totally not impersonating. I just love about my friends uh, how incredibly honest they are about just being themselves. Like, we have a very diverse friend group, not ethnically, what we do, but, I mean, just in terms of interests, I think that if our friends were all just, you know, the same and we always brought the same hobbies and everything to our hangouts, it would just be a little bit boring. So I love the fact that we have a few friends in our group that play D&D and a few friends in our group who are into... I mean, we're all into video games in some sense, but we all bring such, you know, amazing things to the group and it, it makes the hangouts a little bit more exciting. We go out and we bake and cook new things and we bring that in and we go out and we find new comedy specials or movies or TV shows and we bring that to the hangout and we never stop making new traditions out of these hobbies that we keep developing as we get older. We haven't stagnated at all. Like my 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 fear was always that like maybe somebody that I know or myself would peak in high school, but I'm happy to know that none of our friends have. I think that's probably the number one quality of our friends actually. Yeah, Scratch that. I like that. None of us have peaked yet. And that's, that's key because you meet someone who's peaked in high school and you meet them when they're in their late 20s and it's a little bit sad. So I think that that's, that's the thing there is that I have, I have hope that all of our friends are going to do better things than what we're doing right now. And, uh, they're going to find, you know, happy, happy lives, happy jobs, happy partners at some point. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep playing, uh, Crokinole and, uh, Jackbox Party back and Smash Bros and, uh, going to keep podcasting and who knows, maybe in 10 or 15 years, we'll be doing something completely different, but I know that we're all going to be able to keep in touch somehow. I like that. That's a, that's a fantastic answer and a great point to leave the show for now we have a lovely sponsor ad coming up right now and um hope you all enjoy it so neil uh, stay with me here and we'll have a little chat can i get another green tea please this episode is brought to you by manscape.com our listeners have been using manscape products for the past few months and are joining the millions of people around the globe in the manscaped community And for another month, your body hair can be kept under control using our promo code GAMECUBE at checkout. It's officially summertime, and everybody talks about looking good for the warmer months, but few have the balls to do it. Well, it's time to nut up or shut up and take the easiest step to looking sexy this summer by using Manscaped. Manscaped's ultra-smooth package makes sure you have the proper care for down there, and their Boxer 2.0 gives you the perfect stage to show off your new look. These products may make you look hot, but your cleanly shaven nethers will keep you cool, and the Boxer's 2.0 patented pouch technology will keep your boys from turning any beach day into swamp day. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, and get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com gamecube. I am a huge fan of the Ultra Smooth Package, which is a specialized three-step groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking Crop Shaver Razor, Crop Exfoliator, and Crop Gel. This kit is the perfect polish to make your family jewels shine. It's an amazing kit and has become a staple in my bathroom routine. You start with the Crop Exfoliator, infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The Crop Exfoliator can help reduce risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Then you move on to the Crop Gel. You want to see where you're shaving with the clear shaving gel designed just for the groin. It's called your delicate area for a reason. This is one place you don't want to go in blind. Then it's time to shave. The Crop Shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. The razor with three precision blades, including extra wide lubrication strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands and, without compromise, to the environment. 
Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GameCube at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GameCube at Manscaped.com. There are so few perfect summer days. Don't let hot, sweaty balls ruin them. Stay fresh, stay clean, and smelling good with Manscaped. And now, back to the podcast. Then that guy got kind of run over by my car and, you know, it's, I just drove away. It was all good. Oh, uh, red lights on, Neil. So welcome back, everyone, to uh, the GameCube was cool hour. And we're going to be talking again with Dr. Mr. Neil Gilbert. Mm -hmm. Mr. Dr. Neil Gilbert. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, that's fine. It happens all the time. And I have another list of questions here to ask you. Thank you again for answering those questions. Great Marcel Proust questions. Uh, some of my favorite to ask people. Really dives in deep to their kind of psyche, and and you get to learn a little bit about them. But now we're going to talk a little bit about some other things here. So my first question here is: How did you hear about this position? Wait a minute. What this is? Um, that sounds uh, like oh, a casting so, call thing. What's okay, going on uh, here? What what type of work environment do you prefer? Uh, you know what? Mm, this is the wrong. This is the wrong wrong file. Let's uh, let's switch this over. Let's switch oh. this over here. There we go. Okay, that's for something else. Uh, mm. <laughs> totally not to replace someone in a podcast. Uh, gotcha. Tropic Island game, book, movie. So book, game, movie. Okay, got it. You're stranded. You are uh, washed ashore with Tom Hanks and Wilson. Uh, Wilson eventually eats Tom Hanks, and right. then it's just you cast away on a tropical island. And um, luckily... Somehow, Wilson has the power to go back and get you anything you want, but he will only get you one game, one book, and one movie. And I'm assuming that I have ultimate access to any console. I have power, a TV, light, uh, hopefully food at this point. I'm going to assume that that's all. For some reason, there's a functioning living room here on this desert island. (laughs) That's right. That's all functional. We're all good. Terrific. I mean, if I'm on a desert island, frankly, I'm probably going to shoot myself if I have a gun uh, within the first (laughs) 24 hours. So, uh, how long am I on this island for? I feel like that's key. <laughs> that, mm, you know what, it's however long Wilson uh, determines it. He's okay. he's some kind of sort of god dictator on this gotcha. island. It's hard to describe. Okay, okay, so I'm on the island for a weekend, because I know Wilson's got my back. He's going to come back pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, my favorite book, I guess is what you're asking me at the end of the day, is The Road. Not oh. necessarily, because that's, that is the thing as we'll, we'll get into it, but yeah. Okay. The yeah, yeah, that's okay. my favorite book, uh, even though I can only probably read it once, and that will give me the motivation to shoot myself, because that book is very depressing. Uh, it's about the end of the world. <laughs> it's basically The Last of Us, but in novel form. Uh, I remember reading that for the first time in college. I read it in maybe two days, and uh, I've read it maybe three times in my life, and I love it because the book, it doesn't have any quotation marks in it, yet you know who's talking. It's a really... It's a really weird that. situation where I was like halfway through the book and I was like, they never say, and the man said, and the boy said, they just, they just talk and you know, who's saying it based on the vocabulary, which is just brilliant, really dark, twisted stuff. Haven't seen the movie actually. So maybe that'll be my desert Island movie, but it won't be my desert Island game has to be probably see what if Wilson doesn't come back in a weekend and I have more time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's a tricky one. I'll probably have to go with breath of the wild legend of Zelda breath of the wild on switch, not the Wii U. Don't, don't question the Wii U. Uh, I'm going to go with the Switch version because I can play it for 200 to 1,000 hours and not see everything, mess around with the physics. Basically, I'd be on a desert island playing as Link on a desert island, which is very meta. So that might <laughs> uh, that might you know ease my spirits a little bit. And then movie? Hmm. Movie. Desert island movie. 
Need something comforting, something that the whole family can enjoy. Uh, Scooby-Doo, the movie, my, my uh, second favorite movie of all time. Not going to go with Star Wars because if I pick my favorite Star Wars movie, it's episode five. And, you know, if I'm showing that to somebody for the first time, they're lost. They didn't see episode four. But you can show somebody Scooby-Doo, the first movie directed by James Gunn, of course, starring uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and uh, and uh, Matthew Lillard. And uh, the whole family is going to have a great time. It's going to be and I'd watch that on repeat, too. I know that I can do that because I've done it in my life. <laughs> Now, I'm actually quite surprised. Uh, two of those picks of the road and uh, Scooby-Doo are terrific picks. Definitely could see you doing that. But I was surprised that you did not pick Roller Coaster Tycoon for your, that's a good one. your Desert Island pick there. Yeah, that's a good one. But I see I wouldn't want to be stuck with a PC because if I need to run an update, I don't know what to do. Mm. You know, like I want to have a console, something that's just going to work. But you are right. I was also thinking maybe a puzzle game like Tetris would be a good choice, too, because Tetris is the perfect video game. But no, there, there's some puzzle elements to Breath of the Wild. There's lots of exploration. There's that amazing dialogue in the game, of course. I'm joking. But uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of diff. Like, obviously, if I had 10 choices, my, my picks would be very different. But I'm going to stick with Breath of the Wild, even knowing that Roller Coaster Tycoon is on the table. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like that. If Nintendo didn't exist, would you be an Xbox guy, a PS2 guy, a PC guy, maybe even an Engage guy? Ooh, maybe a Stadia guy. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, that's that's weird. If there's no Nintendo, I would probably end up being a PC guy. Honestly, I when I was when we were kids, we got our PC in 1999, which was the same year we got our Nintendo 64. So if I didn't have the Nintendo 64 tugging in the direction of video games, because the N64 was the video game console, and I'm from a time where like our PC was really a work machine. Mm-hmm. It was connected to the internet, and we used it for typing and looking up information on Ask Jeeves and eventually setting up an AOL simpatico address. <laughs> and that's what that did. And we got a few PC games over the years, which I did enjoy. We, uh, we of course, got games like Age of Empires and Roller Coaster Tycoon. And then, of course, the classic cereal box games like the Game of Life and SpongeBob games and Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Um, <laughs> but I always had Nintendo consoles uh, pulling me away from the really playing PC games hard. We even played Diablo on PC. Um, but I, w- I would always, when friends came over, we would play Mario Kart and Smash Bros and Mario Party and Tony Hawk and whatever game on N64, Super Nintendo, GameCube, and eventually, you know, the Wii and the Wii U. It just kept on evolving from there. But uh, yeah, so I'd have to say if there were no Nintendo, you know, we wipe out Nintendo from history like we're going back to the future style mm-hmm. and it's erased from all of our photographs and literally... Uh, the PC would be my only option because uh, the PS2, I don't need a DVD player. What do I need a DVD player for? I have all these VHS tapes. So I would have stuck with PC for sure. Yeah, I like that. I can't argue with that answer for sure. Is there a GameCube era character that you would love to see in Smash that isn't in Smash already? Yeah, see, a lot of them are in Smash so that because of Melee mm-hmm. and uh, eventually Brawl. A lot of them got brought up, like Olimar and Fox, and there we got uh, you know Solid Snake in there. Who's missing? Who is missing? You see, I always thought Doshin the Giant would be cool, but I think he'd be a better stage hazard because he's just too <laughs> big, honestly. But my shout-out has to go to Billy Hatcher. Nice. Yeah, the Sega game that was ported from Dreamcast, or not ported, it was technically uh, delayed from Dreamcast and moved over to GameCube. I think he would be have a really cool set of moves. Basically, he'd be Yoshi because he's got eggs, but I think he could be a really neat character. He could be fast like Sonic, but he's got eggs like Yoshi. 
Uh, he's he's young, like Ness, so he'd be like another one of the kid characters, like Lucas and Ness. He'd be a good combination of a lot of characters that we already have. So yeah, my choice has to go to Billy Hatcher and his giant egg. That's a great pick. That's a a bit of an off the wall pick, and I like it. I think that's kind of where you, you have to go with that. Uh, it would be cool to see a bit of a like a Yoshi because there really isn't anyone like Yoshi in in Smash. So it would be Not nice really. to have a give him a friend. Yeah, exactly. And like uh, you and I, we play as Yoshi, me, Yoshi, you, Kirby. Kirby's always been the closest to Yoshi in my mind, mm-hmm. mainly because of Kirby's uh, really good down B, his, uh, his weighted down B when he turns into a stone or something. But there really isn't anything that has that egg lob like Yoshi does. And Billy Hatcher could, could bring that. And maybe he could roll on his egg to move a little bit faster. I don't know. I still actually need to play Billy Hatcher. So that, that does remind me uh, that I do need to do that. So thank you, Mike. Another game we'll play right now is uh f mary kill as we can call it here uh okay and i'm gonna give you two sets so we're gonna start with the first set here okay eternal darkness chibi robo 1080 avalanche Ooh, that's a good one okay so chibi robo 1080 avalanche and eternal darkness eternal darkness okay so and really, but what I mean by the F part in this is that you're really just going to play it once. And the once. Mary is like, you want to have this forever. The kill okay. is you never want to play it again. And obviously, okay. these are all good games. So this is why it's a this is a game to play. We're trying to figure out. Right. So, okay. So to F, I'm going to have to go with Eternal Darkness because that is a terrific game. It, it's really not unlike anything you've ever played before. And you really... It's hard to, you don't get the same enjoyment when you play it the second time because Mm. a lot of the surprise is gone. So you really want to play that game once, really enjoy it, really savor every last (laughs) succulent moment of that game and uh, then, and then move on to your next, uh, Mm -hmm. your next evening. Uh, Mary, Hmm, this is tough. This is a toughie. I'm going to have to go with Chibi Robo, Hmm. Uh, Chibi Robo, like same, same thing with, you know, my, 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 my. Same thing with my mom, you know, always looking out for the house, always trying to just keep <laughs> things together, uh, really looking after my mental health and uh, the, the cleanliness of the home. So I think Chibi Robo would be a good game to have forever, just teaches you good values and everything. And it it, 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 it saddens me to say, but I think despite featuring hit bands like Finger Eleven uh, and Cauterize, or is that the name of the band or is that the name of the song? No one really what, knows. No, the, the, the other band in 1080 Avalanche, I have to kill that one because we already have other frankly better uh snowboarding games with ssx ssx on tour and tricky and three so i'd have to kill 1080 avalanche uh unfortunately but it's okay because nintendo already did that for me so <laughs> that's my pick mike well let's do it again neil mm. donkey konga geist battalion wars Ooh, that's a t- those are some real deep cuts on mm-hmm. the okay uh, if you haven't noticed these are deep cut exclusive nintendo games that uh, mm-hmm. really died on uh the gamecube so this is kind of us bringing it back to life one more time definitely okay so we'll start with f uh so we got let's see donkey konga battalion wars and what was the geist. third one so, geist okay uh i'll go with f donkey konga because it is fun like it's a really fun game to play but really i I don't need to play it much more than once. I know I'm upsetting a few people, including people that we had on our episode <laughs> when we covered Donkey Konga, who played it for hours. But really, I'm okay with Donkey Konga for an evening. Again, enjoy every succulent just mm, <laughs> moment of that game. And then just kick it to the curb and move on to Guitar Hero or 2D Donkey Kong games, frankly. Donkey Kong Country. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Chef's Kiss. Kill? Or no, Mary. Sorry. Mary first. Battalion Wars. Has to be Battalion Wars. Mm-hmm. I love Battalion Wars. I think you can you can play that game over and over again and have a good time. You can go over to Advance Wars when you're done, too. It just opens up so many opportunities for 
expanding your relationship and finding out more about Battalion Wars. What is Battalion Wars like? Where does it like to go on vacation? What restaurants does it like? You know, there's you can feel like it has personality behind the game. Yes, Absolutely. Yes. Kill, I'm going to have to go with Geist, unfortunately. I know it's a cult classic. I get it. I really don't understand the appeal to Geist. That's one of my hangups with the GameCube library. I know it's a cult classic and a lot of people love it. Very sought after. I own it. But really, like, you have Time Splitters, you have Metroid, you have Nightfire. There are so many other better first-person shooters on the console, frankly, and with better plots. Like, Geist has so much potential, but really, it, it kind of failed off the mark. I think it could have done better with its shooting mechanics. I think some of the acting could have been better. It's a bit of an earlier GameCube game, so maybe if it was later on, it could have been improved. I would love to see a remaster come back, but unfortunately, they haven't done that, so I'm going to have to kill Geist. That's totally fair. Well, no, there you have it. That's uh, that's something that can go down in history, Neil. Is really uh, that's kind of uh, all about you. That's that's a, like your core beliefs in gaming is right there in that list. We'll have to put that up for everyone to see. I feel like I just took a Myers Briggs test on <laughs> gaming, and like from that, you can tell what kind of person I am, what my life expectancy is, what my you know all that stuff. We know everything about you now. All my your data type. has been <laughs> cataloged in just that one question right there. <laughs> Definitely. What's your second favorite game of all time? Uh, Super Mario World. Uh, for, for those of you that don't know, my favorite game, as I said earlier, I guess was Breath of the Wild. Uh, but Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo, absolutely favorite game up until 2017. It was it was always my favorite game. I said that since I was eight years old when we, we got our, our uh, Super Nintendo from our uncle who uh, departed from our family. He didn't die. He just didn't want to see us anymore. <laughs> So he gave us his Super Nintendo and all of his games. One of those games was Super Mario World. So I lost an uncle, but I gained my favorite video game of all time. Uh, played that game to death on a very old school TV, by the way. My experience with Super Mario World as a kid was playing it on a TV where you could turn the color on and off, kids. So that's where we played it. It was like on a basically 20-inch TV, no bigger than the standard laptop. And me, my brother, my sister, and I would pass the controller back and forth all night, Saturday night, Friday night. We would play through the weekend until I went to hockey, and then we'd come back and play it some more, just exploring mainly Worlds 1 and 2 because we weren't very good. Eventually, we beat the game, mm -hmm. but just finding all of the hidden secrets, uh, laughing at Mario's dying animations and, you know, kicking Yoshi off of uh, cliffs. Yes, we were those kind of monsters. I apologize. But Super Mario World has to be my second favorite game. I, I can only play it on a Super Nintendo is the funny thing, too. Mm. I realize it's on Virtual Console. It was on the Wii U, and it's on Switch, and I think it was on one of the 3DSs and even the SNES Classic. But it really just is right at home on a tube TV popping in that uh, popping in that cartridge on a Super Nintendo. I love seeing the cartridge there and everything. It just is so beautiful. And yeah, Super Mario World can't say enough good things about that game. Nothing compares. Nothing compares. Mm. What would you consider to be the most influential game on you as a person? Gosh, influential game on me as a person has to be Pokemon Yellow, mm. I would say. It's my first game that I got that was mine. Luckily, it was a good game because I know that some people get their first video game and it's like, uh, Inspector Gadget teaches you how to type or something, you know? <laughs> but uh, no, my first uh, console and game for my fifth or sixth birthday, now I'm blanking on that, but I got a Game Boy Color, the lime green Game Boy Color, and Pokemon Yellow, and played that game to death, obviously, as every kid did in the 90s. And it just taught me so much about video games. It taught me so much on like what video games, what there is to love about them, how they're, the, how they're these little worlds inside of a Game Boy Color and eventually console games as well. Uh, just learning how to love characters in the game, learning how to get mm -hmm. better at things and how the games don't necessarily all hand you the answers. Even though the Pokemon games are fairly simple, to a five or six-year-old, they weren't. 
And unfortunately, the Pokemon franchise has grown a little bit stale for me over the years, mainly because it's kind of failed to reinvent itself, at least in the mainline series. I know that there are fantastic games like Pokemon Snap and Pokemon Arceus that just came out earlier this year. Um, Pokemon is a part of my life, always has been, always probably will be. I'm sure that I'll get my kids into it at some point. It's such a good gateway drug into into video games, RPGs too, but video games in general. I, I really don't know if I would be as into gaming now if I didn't have Pokemon, honestly, because up until that point, video games were just Math Circus at school mm-hmm. and Mario Kart on the N64, and that was basically it. I really didn't know that there were these heavy stories and amazing worlds to explore. So Pokemon Yellow is my answer, Mike. You know what? That's a great answer. You said everything I would have wanted to say too. And thank you for uh, explaining that because yeah, Pokemon Yellow is when you hear it at first, it seems like a bit of an odd pick, but then with that explanation, it totally makes sense. And I'm going to kind of reverse uh, course here. And I'm going to actually ask you, what's a game that you wish you had growing up? Oh, that's a tough one. A game. Now, do you mean a game that's currently out now or a game that was around when I was growing up? It was a game that was around. So you got Pokemon Yellow. That's your influential game. But what could have been, you know, what could have been the other Pokemon Yellow? Okay. I really wish that my first gaming experience or maybe an earlier gaming experience could have been uh, one of the Zelda games. Uh, Mm. I did play A Link to the Past as a kid. I really didn't have anybody to tell me or explain to me what to do. So I was just chopping bushes for an hour. And that's all I ever did in A Link to the Past as a kid. I didn't actually play a Legend of Zelda game until I was 18 years old. It was 2011 and I picked up Ocarina of Time on the N64 on eBay. And even then as an 18 year old, I didn't I didn't get it right away. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that history with, with Zelda on NES. I had a little bit of history with Link to the Past on Super Nintendo. My parents even know the uh, jingle from that game because my brother used to play it. But as a kid, I remember my friends and my cousin playing uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, and I really didn't get it because it was just this 3D open adventure. I was really just used to 2D Pokemon games, 2D Mario games, the odd Mario Kart game, Smash Bros. So I really wish that I had that Zelda experience as a kid. I feel like I missed out. I, I have since gone back and, and you know rectified that sin and have played pretty much all of the mainline Zelda games and most of the 2D handheld spin-off games too, so that's good. But I really wish that I had that childhood connection to, to Zelda. Unfortunately, I don't, but I've kind of adopted it as my own, so I'll count that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I would also one day like to really, well, not one day. I think I'm the same way where I would have liked to uh, grow up with those so I can actually say that, hey, these were fun games and look back and then. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I I missed out on that whole, like I got, you know, Ocarina of Time for Christmas and completely didn't talk to my family for the whole day. Like I never (laughs) had, or like at a birthday party, you know, you hear stories of people who get Majora's Mask for their birthday and they just played that for the rest of the party, ignoring everything (laughs) else going on around them. I never had that. Not that I really would want that because I do value my, as I said earlier, I value my birthday memories as well. Mm -hmm. So, but I never had that moment of getting a Zelda game and just being just immersed in it for, for weeks, you know? Of all the melee characters, and there are quite a few, Mm -hmm. which one would you remove? And now let me list them out for you, Neil. We got Dr. Mario, Mario, Luigi, Bowser, Peach, Yoshi, DK, Captain Falcon, Ganondorf, Falco, Fox, Ness, Ice Climbers, Kirby, Samus, Zelda, Link, Young Link, Pikachu, Pikachu, Jigglypuff, Mewtwo, Mr. Game & Watch, Marth, and Roy. 
Interesting. Now, I hmm, I thought you were going to go. Re- I thought you were going to name all eighty current fighters, and I was like, oh my gosh, where are we going to end? <laughs> now you didn't you didn't say enough anime fighters, so I can't. I don't know if I could eliminate Marth or Roy. It's just melee, and we still we just we only had our two anime fighters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We didn't we didn't know what we had back then when we only had two. It was <laughs> such a fr- it was a free world, Mike. It was a different time. I'd have to cut Doctor Mario. The first mm. one that you said it just sticks out. I I never understood the Doctor Mario appeal. He's basically just a clone. Like I understand having him as a skin or as a an alternate an alternate skin to Mario. I think that makes total sense. But to have him as a separate character, it doesn't doesn't make any sense to me really. I, that always confused me, even as a kid. Never played as Doctor Mario. I know you and a few of our friends are, so I apologize for that. But really, you can cut him or bleed him into regular Mario, and I don't think anybody would really care. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, I, he is uh, the Tetris, uh, well, he was basically a Tetris clone in a way, and maybe yeah. one day we'll get a Dr. Mario standalone open world RPG. <laughs> I would love a mainline Dr. Mario game to come out. I know that we've had a few kind of, you know, there's been a mobile game come out. Dr. Mario is one of those Desert Island games too that I could definitely mm-hmm. play. Second best to Tetris for sure. Not too far away though. Dr. Mario is pretty damn close to being a perfect puzzle game. Well, Neil, we'll leave it at that for now, but we will, of course, be having you back on in a couple minutes while we listen to this message from our sponsors. Have you been injured in a go-kart accident? You may be eligible for compensation, driver negligence, medical expenses, lost income, property damage, or wrongful death. Call personal injury lawyers William Toadsworth and Birdo today for a free one-hour consultation. Guaranteed, you don't pay unless we win. 1-800-999-6464. Located at the corner of Highway 9 and Moo Moo Farm. Blue shells are not a victimless crime. Call today. 1-800-999-6464. Yeah, and that was the last time that uh, Pikachu struck someone down with lightning. He's doing 8 to 10 years. Oh my gosh, I hope he can live that long. How, what is the average lifespan of a Pikachu? Uh, I'm not really... Oh, oh, that light's on again. Oh, welcome back, everyone, to the GameCube with School Hour. Thank you very much from our sponsor's message right there. Again, keeping us going. We really appreciate it. Now, Neil, we're going to do a couple of rapid-fire questions here. And um, after that, we'll do just a couple longer questions, and then that will be it for the interview. Oh, okay. So are you ready for this rapid-fire test? Mike, I'm ready. Thank you so much for asking. Okay, very good. What is your first memory? Oh, wow. That's interesting. My earliest memory, it's it's hard to uh it's hard to uh, decipher, but I can I can really remember when I was 3. So, in the house before the house that you knew me when we were kids, the townhouse in in uh in out just outside of Toronto. Um it's hard to tell which one came first, but I have a few, and I'll go with my first one, which is the funniest one, and that's when a bird flew into our house and got stuck, obviously, because it's a bird, it's dumb, but we had a a chimney, a fireplace in that house, Mm. and somehow the chimney was one of those ones that goes into the basement, and one day my sister and I were playing in the basement, and my sister's two years younger than me, right, so she's maybe one, one and a half at most, and this bird came down, and I'm old enough to, to consciously freak out and leave a room. So I ran up the stairs, and I left my sister, baby sister, in the basement with a bird. No idea what species of bird it was. In retrospect, it might have been just one of those little chickadee birds or a robin. No bigger than a robin. I'll give her that. It wasn't a seagull or something crazy. That would have been, that would have been awesome. But uh, I just have vivid memories of my dad coming out of the garage with a fishing net. 
no idea why we had a fishing net in that in the garage. We lived nowhere near an ocean. I remember my dad just going down to the basement with the net and then coming back out of the basement. I can hear my sister freaking the heck out, by the way. She didn't. I don't know if she ever fully recovered from that. But uh, I just have memories of watching my dad on the front lawn, watching him through the screen door because I'm not going to help him with this project. Just watching him trying to untangle because the bird got tangled in this fishing net because it was not not like the little, you know, tight mesh. It was like the loose kind of like lobster trap fishing net thing that like dolphins get trapped in. Mm. Uh, So this bird was was really mangled in the net and he had to like try and just unfold it from that net and eventually it flew away but that's my earliest memory is watching my dad struggling on the front lawn trying to free this bird from this net that he uh, caught it in wow that's an absolutely traumatic memory and also a long uh story i was expecting something like i hit my head on the fridge but (laughs) oh well i do have memories of me tripping after getting ice cream from an ice cream truck that like it's around the same time when my brain was turning on so those are like my first two (laughs) early memories those are both traumatic, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I hope you saved that ice cream, but... Um, I did not. Second favorite number. Second favorite number. Do you know my first? Your first is 17, I believe. 17 is... You're close. It's actually 35. Oh. Well, yeah. Know. 35, because uh, Frank Thomas, uh, mm. Blue Jay player, that he wore number 35. So is your second favorite number 17, then? N- no, no, no. I don't think so. 17 is... I did wear that number, too, in baseball. You haven't... I, I know. That's mm-hmm. that's why I'm remembering. I don't know why I picked 17. I think it's because my dad wore 17 the first year he coached me, and then from that point on, mm. I just wanted to copy him. I think he found that kind of annoying that I kept on taking his <laughs> number, actually. <laughs> in retrospect, I think he didn't like that. Second favorite number. Now, does it have to be like a number? Whenever people say their favorite number, Mike, they typically pick a number under 100. Do you ever notice that? Yeah, no one's favorite number is 17.73 million. Right? Like, no, no one's ever like, my. I'm, I'm really fond of the number 3 million and 8. Like... It's weird how it's weird how we it's weird how we uh, we attach ourselves to one and two digit numbers specifically. Mm-hmm. But with that said, my second favorite number. That said, indeed. See, I'm not going to go with one of the funny numbers because I know what everyone out there is thinking. We've got two funny numbers, and I'm still waiting for mankind to come up with a third one. I know that we 68 have... is the one that you're thinking of. That's the sex number. Yeah, of course, of course, the classic 68 uh, sex pose. That's mm-hmm. that's the one I'm obviously thinking of. You see, I like the number 999 just because of the the video game 999. That that number always comes to mind whenever I think of numbers, which is rare. So I think I think I'll probably just have to go with 999 being a very memorable number. Also, 967 1111 call pizza pizza hey hey hey, hey. yeah that number's just in my head there's so many phone numbers for companies in my head that it has to be one of those call 1-800-267-2001 alarm force Uh, alarm force is not a sponsor we're just trying to get them to be so alarm force if you're listening that's actually a great idea for like a game show or something is just have people come on and test them on how many phone numbers they remember based on commercials neil next time you come on the show we'll do that that'll be the interview but you see, you can't, you can't like, you can't tell someone that it's coming because then they're going to prepare for it, right? Like it has to be like a walk on the street, like those people that just yell something and then you're like, name as many phone numbers as you can from businesses. And then they have to just do it. Name a woman. Yeah. Na- name any woman. Exactly. How do you say the second day of the week? Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> Pinkerton or well, Blue Album? <laughs> Pinkerton. I much prefer. I not much prefer. I. It depends on the day, but today you're asking me, so it's Pinkerton. Love to visit, but you probably never will. Place to vi- a place that I would love to visit that I probably never will. My travel checklist is so short that I find it hard to believe that I can't hit every single point. 
Part of me feels like I'm never going to make it to Japan. I don't know why. I know I will. But I'll just for right now say Tokyo, just because I feel like the the more time goes by, the further down the list Japan goes. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, like I want to go visit more of Europe. I want to I want to go play someplace warm because it's been like eight years since I've seen a beach. Um, <laughs> I want to go to like Australia and New Zealand and some of the other Nordic countries, like or even art the Arctic. Like go see some really I want to see some really cold places. I also really love hiking up mountains, but like just every every year that goes by, like another trip comes up and Japan just is never on that short list. So I'll go with Tokyo. Sorry to bring up that super depressing topic, but uh, yeah, it's okay. yeah, you know, it's okay. Uh, some great travel destinations there for sure. Mm-hmm. What's something you just don't get? Oh, there's a lot of things I just don't get, Mike. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that you're talking about maybe something popular that I don't understand, or do you mean like algebra? No, popular <laughs> that you don't understand. That makes sense. Uh, popular that I don't understand. Gosh, there's also so many. There's so many of those. <laughs> I was going to go with like a video game franchise that I just don't let's, understand. Let's go away from video games. Yeah, I know. It's hard because this, this, this was a video game podcast, but we've gotten away from it now. I'm going to go with the one for me is, uh, it sounds kind of straight edge and everything, but it's always been weed. Mm. I don't mm. understand it. Like I, I'm already a pretty mellow guy. Like I can calm down just with a cup of tea and an episode of SpongeBob. I don't like everyone. And when I was in school or whatever, they always said like, oh, you got to have some weed to calm down. And I'd be sitting there like, I don't know what to tell you. I have a resting heart rate of 60 beats a minute. I'm pretty calm. Um, And even like spacing out, like getting really focused on things, I can already do all of that. So I never, I understand that some people need the assistance of, of drugs in general, I guess is where I'm going with this, but I've, I've never done any drugs so to speak. I've, of course, had caffeine and alcohol in my life, but those are the easy ones. Uh, I've never done anything harder than alcohol. So I guess drugs would be be a, kind of a silly one for me. It makes me sound like I'm a parent or something like that. But if, if I'm going to say a video game, I'm going to go with Assassin's Creed. Mike, next question. I'll enjoy my anxiety without drugs. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I just like to power through it like a true Irishman. Just, <laughs> just deal with it. Punch it down to your gut. Don't, don't take pharmaceuticals. Just deal with your stress on your own. No therapy. <laughs> What's the best album for you to listen to while sad? Oh, while sad. Okay, that's an easy one because it, it pairs nicely with my favorite album of all time, and that is Suburbia, I've Given You All, and Now I'm Nothing by The Wonder Years. It's my favorite album of all time. It has some upbeat, angry songs for when you're sad, and it has some songs that make you feel more sad when you're sad. So I always recommend that album to anybody getting into pop punk or just the <laughs> 2010s. Sorry? <laughs> Anyone getting into pop punk or sad. <laughs> Anybody just dealing with learning how to be sad and like the the songs are basically about being sad. Now, being someone in my late 20s now, I don't quite relate to that album as well anymore because I first heard that album when I was 17, graduating high school, which is the average age group I think that that album was written for. Uh, But I still like to turn it on every so often. It hits really hard on like a cloudy day in the fall. Uh, I don't know why. I I put that album on every so often and even when I'm not feeling sad, even when I'm feeling happy. But that album pairs very well with being sad. I like that. Dream career. What would be your dream career? Of course, in theory, you're currently in your dream career. Uh, but uh, if you had to choose, if you could start all over, if you could pick any career you've ever wanted, what would be the dream career? Of course, you mean my dream career. I'm uh, currently the uh, podcast p- podcaster of the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, correct? No, that's me. You're the podcaster of the number two GameCube podcast on the internet. Oh, right. That's right. You, you guys beat us out this week. Your ratings are now higher than us. I completely forgot. That's right. See, I try not to live that way, so I don't I don't think about that stuff too often, but it's kind of stupid. Like uh but part of me always kind of wanted to hmm, how do I how do I phrase this? <laughs> like hmm, 
you see, when I was a kid, it was like athlete because that was just like the easy thing. Cause I was like, I was into baseball. I was into hockey. Sure. So it was like, you play the game of life and there's only seven jobs, right? You're either a teacher, a doctor or an athlete. Hmm. This is tricky. See, I don't have the smarts to be anything like, like a, like a lawyer or an accountant. I know that that's not for me. Part of me really wishes that I got into trades earlier in all honesty. Like I wish that I, I wish that our schools uh, introduced us more to working with tools like wood and metal and uh, like saws and everything else. Like we, we had an auto shop in our high school that was eventually closed down because our teacher was uh, running an illegal <laughs> chop shop from our school. So they cut the trades uh, program from our school pretty quick. That's a true story, kids. Yeah, that's an actual true story. Look it up. It's on the news. But uh, we had a woodshop class that I kind of regret not taking. So I kind of wish that I, I I focused more on learning skills with my hands because I'm actually pretty good when I get really invested in something with working with my hands. If it's cooking or some kind of art or baking, I love to do stuff in that in the kitchen because it's just easy and cheap. But uh, if I could go back again, I would have focused something a little bit more trade specific than what I'm doing right now. That's a good answer, Neil. That's a good answer. Thank you. Favorite gift that you've ever given? Oh, ever given? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Ever given? Favorite gift? You see, the, the the best gifts that you ever give are the ones where it's like you get the person to cry. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's uh, yep. that's always a good one. Uh, favorite gift I've ever given? Mm-hmm. As I get older, I realize that I actually like giving gifts more than I like receiving them. Oh, hundred percent, hundred. I look for. I have like mental notes of lists of every gift like to give to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, to just like you know, you see something and you're like, great, Christmas for this person, great birthday for this person. <laughs> Definitely, always think. I, I, I'm more leaning towards giving gifts than receiving gifts. The older I get, I like that. That's a good point. I would love to give somebody something like real expensive someday as a gift, like like a console. That's not even that expensive, but you know, like like a three hundred dollars. I've never really broken like the two hundred dollar range for a gift. Yeah. I don't even think I've broken the one hundred dollar range. But one year we got my mom for uh, I believe it was her birthday. We got her a drawing of our dog at the time, Chase. Who um, we had a family friend who was really good at drawing, and uh, we asked her to draw a picture of our dog. And it was pretty good timing, actually, in in a weird way. He had just been diagnosed with uh, he had a malignant tumor in his shoulder or whatever so like it wasn't super dangerous but it had very extreme potential to be uh so it happened to be right around her birthday and not long after he got the uh growth and whatnot removed uh so the timing was pretty good and uh she opened the gift and it was you know a framed picture of uh, of our dog he had like a dragonfly on his on his head because he liked dragonflies he's he was still alive at the time luckily it would have been a way worse gift if he had died <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it got a pretty good response there. And it, it, I love the handmade gifts too. Like I love going on Etsy and calling up on friends who are, are artistic, uh, to, to make gifts and I'll pay them for it. Even like we have, uh, you know, friend of the show, Kirsten, or this person who, who drew this, uh, picture for my mom. I have another friend from college who, uh, made my mom a cool Christmas ornament. I love handmade ornaments, uh, for those holiday, holiday seasons. Uh, and that gift stands out in my mind right now. That's a great one. That's a touching, touching gift for sure. That that dog has since died, by the way. So uh, no more chase gifts, but that's okay. We have <laughs> we have new pets to give gifts around. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> What's the first shoe and the brand of that shoe that you can remember? That's a great question. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't know the uh, the brand is escaping me now. It must have been a Nike thing. I'll have to look it up. I'm sure it's pretty easy to look up. But in grade one, I had a pair of shoes that had Pokemon on them. And of course, this was Velcro because everybody knows that Velcro is the pinnacle of all shoes. Like, I don't know why adults don't wear Velcro shoes. Big miss. Big miss. Laces are stupid. But I had Pokemon on these shoes. And on the one side, it had Pikachu, Ivazor, Blastoise, and Charizard uh, on there. And... 
You see, you, you, you tripped me up with the brand. I think it's Reebok. In my mind, there's a Reebok mm. logo on there. So there must have been some kind of brief partnership there. But I definitely had them around the same time I got my Game Boy and Pokemon Yellow and the billions of Pokemon cards that my parents bought me. So that is my earliest memory of owning a shoe. Every every time before that, I might as well have been shoeless. Might as well have been shoeless <laughs> Joe over here. Mm-hmm. And what's a dead band that you'd love to see? And now I mean that in the sense of uh, not necessarily a band that's broken up, but a band that literally will not be getting together because uh, a member or members have died. Member or members have died. That's a tricky Well, Well, I guess my, my obvious answer has to be, well, now, th- does that mean that the band has disbanded or have they replaced that dead or whatever artist? So because... I, I would, I would if they've replaced them, I would still say it's okay to kind of go back in time and see that original lineup that you okay, want to see. Gotcha. Gotcha. So easy answer. It's a bit of a layup is Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see Queen with uh, Freddie Mercury. And uh, I know that Queen still tours. And actually, Adam Lambert is a pretty decent uh, replacement for Freddie Mercury. I have pretty big respect for him, actually. I liked him on American Idol back in grade 10. Sure. Uh, so he was a good replacement for Freddie Mercury. I have to give props to him. But I would love to go back to uh, the 80s and, and see Freddie Mercury live in his prime and to see Queen, see Brian May shred on the guitar. Um, that's the easy one for me for... Uh, a band that has a musician that is dead in it. I'm trying to think of a band with a dead musician that never tours. I mean, I guess an easy choice. Like, I'm not a big enough Beatles fan to really use that as my choice. Honestly, I think I'd rather go back and see Nirvana than the sure. Beatles. Yep. Uh, Kurt Cobain, uh, of course, seeing uh, Dave Grohl, uh, who looks a lot like the lead singer of uh, the Foo Fighters. But to see him on drums uh, would be just amazing. And uh, gosh, what's the what's the bassist name? I always forget his name. Chris Novoselic. Yeah, that's the one. Born an old man, of course. Uh, to see them in uh, the early 90s would have been cool. Dave Grohl, yeah, I know he does look very similar to the, the drummer of Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Just like how Dwayne Johnson, the actor, looks very similar to The Rock, uh, the wrestler. Right. But um, obviously True. different yes. people. Mm-hmm. Completely. Completely different. And our last question of the day, Neil, is what's your favorite Mike and Neil memory? My favorite Mike and Neil memory. See, that's the thing about about you and I is that we keep making cool new memories the older that we get. I'm trying to think I thought you were going to say, that's the thing about my memory is that (laughs) it's going away. (laughs) It's gone, Mike. I only remember yesterday. No, you see, I probably, as much as we've, you know, we've been friends now for 21 years, I suppose, 22, 21 years, depending on whatever month it was that we met. Uh, it probably goes back to the junior high or the high school days. I think my f- one of my favorite memories with Mike is uh, we've we've told this story on the podcast before, but it, it includes Dan, friend of the show, Dan Kerr too. I'll go with this one first, but it's when in grade uh, grade eleven we performed in front of uh, in front of the school for the World Fair, and this is a, a fair where everyone gets to come out on stage and uh, perform some kind of a, a song <laughs> or a dance uh, from their native culture. And Dan, Mike, and I decided uh, to represent New Zealand. None of us have New Zealand descent, yet we decided to perform a Flight of the Concord song, the Hip Hopopotamus and the Rhinoceros, on stage in front of 300 people, maybe? Several hundred, for sure. I was on bass. Uh, Mike was the... Mike, you were the Hip Hopopotamus? I was I the Rhinoceros. Mike was the Rhinoceros, and Dan was the, the Hip Hopopotamus. And we crushed it. We were def- we definitely had the best audience reaction uh, of anybody at that show. And uh, really cool high school memory for me with, uh, with, with Mike and I, for sure. Uh, if I'm going back to early, like, middle school or, uh, like, elementary school memories... It's, it's got to be like maybe the sleepovers or just the after school hangouts in general. And it's a combination of so many different things like us riding on our bikes with walkie talkies, 
pretending to be Star Ranger and Sponge Ranger, like from mm-hmm. SpongeBob, and my mom making homemade pizza for us, and us going down my my steep driveway on skateboards, like dodging hockey sticks and recycling bins, playing Nightfire, playing laser tag, and going out to the movies. Just just childhood in general, I guess is is just how you would describe that. But I have really cool memories of like a good Friday afternoon in like June. Uh, for some reason, that's the the time of year that stands out especially because school is winding down. We have so much extra time because there's no projects to do. The weather's good, so we can play outside and then play inside on our video games. So yeah, those are my those are my two answers to close out. Very good, Neil. Personally, mine is uh, me eating all the strawberries in the house while we Dude. scratched lottery tickets. I remember that too. Like I was, re- I read the back of a scratch ticket to like understand it was like the first time I had ever seen a bingo card, I guess. And by the time I finished reading it, because I'm a slow reader, you had finished an entire pound of strawberries. It was impressive. It was an impressive feat, Neil. And so was <laughs> this interview. We really appreciate you coming on today uh, and saying everything that uh, and answering all the questions with great ease and grace. You, some people say you can only have grace or no grace, but you had a little bit of grace today, and I like that. Oh, thank you. I You think I have grace. That's so nice. That's, that's a Seinfeld reference. Very good. That's right. That's right. You have some grace. And Neil, why don't you take this time and let the listeners uh, know what you will be working on? What I'll be working on? Well, I'll be working on uh, making sure that I don't lose all of my memory uh, because obviously that is my number one fear. And I will continue my search for my long lost uncle uh, because I I have his copy of Super Mario World and I've uh, deleted his save and I want to show him that as an F you. That's a very good goal, Neil. And while we're waiting for Neil to find his long lost uncle, I'm going to let you know what's coming up next on the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Uh, But Neil, thank you very much and we will see you later. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, where's the door? Uh, just to your left there. Right over there. Ah, great. All right. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Yeah. Just beside the, the murderous Pikachu. Great. I'm taking my mic off now. Thank you. Okay. Next week on the GameCube with School podcast, we will be talking about $100. What can it get you? What can it get you on eBay nowadays for GameCube games? We're going to kind of try and figure out uh, how we can spend that $100 properly. And, um, you know, just a little way to let the listeners know how they can get the best bang for their buck. But until then, you have been listening to Side Mission 11 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday and all the podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash the GameCube was cool. All Patreons get the show ad-free and a little early. Thank you to all you over there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook and join the weekly conversation on our Discord. Just search The GameCube is Cool. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Neil's uncle. Mike says hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week. See you later. (laughs) Hey, I thought his mic was off. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. 